Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. Um, so let's just pray and then jump into it. Father, I thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, God, sometimes to be an elder and have to speak uh, your heart or your word um, in love to your people. Um, but it's, it's, it's worth it. Uh, it's worth it, Lord. So I just ask that you would just fill me with your presence. I ask, Lord, that everyone in here would just uh, hear your voice, hear your word. Work on us, Lord. Grow us, challenge us, change us, correct us. Have your way, Lord. Bless this church. Bless this service in your name. Amen. Kind of a two-part deal last week was happening. We didn't know it, but it's kind of happened. Uh, Andrew preached from 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, so I kind of want you to just turn there first, and I want to lay the groundwork that was laid last week, and it, it'll make some sense, I believe. But Timothy and Titus, today we're going to be in Titus. Timothy and Titus uh, were both referred to by Paul as my true sons in the faith. That's how he opens up. So there's some parallel. Now, Timothy was assigned to Ephesus. Titus was assigned to Crete. Paul wrote these letters to instruct these guys how to lead the churches in their areas to oversee the things that they had to oversee. Therefore, that's why we have the letters for 2 Timothy and we have Titus. Uh, it's instruction. It's teaching. It's, it's, it's doctrine. Uh, and so on and so forth. Um, but I want to read it. Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 5. We touched on this last week, and if you haven't listened to last week's message, I would encourage you to podcast it and listen to it. It's good teachings, good word. And I'm so encouraged. I sometimes forget. I've been a part of multiple churches, and I'm not trying to talk down any church here, but I love that we have a church that teaches the Bible. I love that even the difficult stuff and the, and the exhort and the rebuke and all this stuff that's in, I'm thankful that we have people, uh, and Andrew did a fabulous job, and I love him, and I just, one, of the, one of my things I'm so impressed with him, he just preaches the word. He stands up on truth, and he does a good job with it, I might add. Um, you know, amen, I agree. So it's cool to hear, and when you podcast, you're like, you know what, this is good. And I was in another church preaching last week. And my heart was here, and that was kind of cool, too, that I, like, missed you guys. <laughs> I missed you guys. Did you miss me? I hope so. Um, so anyways, let's jump in. The 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 5. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn from listening to the truth and wander off into the myths or myths. Okay? Now, just in my Bible, just take, turn the page over, and it's Titus. Titus is three chapters. Titus, the outline of his one, one through four is a salutation, greeting from Paul. Chapter one, five through six is leadership in Crete. We're going to talk a little bit about that. 
setting up leaders, what that looks like. Uh, chapter 2, 1 through 15 is relationship in the church. We're gonna, that's going to be the greatest portion of this message, I believe, is, is how we live here. Um, and then chapter 3, we're not going to, unfortunately, we're not going to get to go into it, but it's one, chapter 3, 1 through 11 is relationship with society. Um, and then 3, 12 through 15 is Paul's closing. So there's two themes I'm going to really touch on is the first is leadership, and then the second is inside the church, the expectations that are to be in here. Uh, I want to jump right into Titus 1, uh, skip down to 5, and let's just read 5 through 11 and then unpack it. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Um, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, uh, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and in sound doctrine uh, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Okay, so I want to start off with, with what, what Paul's instructing Titus to do here is how to set a church, how to set up uh, structure. Five, um, look at verse five and just read it again. This is why I left you in Crete. Why are you in Crete, Titus? This is why you are in Crete, Titus, so that you might put what remained. People meet Jesus. They repent of their sins. They become Christian. Now, from that point on, do they just go live their normal life? No, they don't. There's expectations on the church. There's expectations on their faith. Now that they're true converts, born again, there's instruction, growth, expectations, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But that's what's happening here. And I, and I love this. This is a scripture that I hold on to a lot because, um, well, just I really believe in this. And he says that I put, so that you might be put, I'm sorry, so that you might put what remained into order. I love that. I think so often I'm an elder, I'm a leader, uh, I lead my home, I lead a business, and I believe in order. I love order. I didn't used to when I was younger, but I see the benefits of it. Structure, setting things up right, the right, the right people doing the right thing blesses me. God is a God of order, isn't he? We have a tendency to think that, I, th I think we have a tendency because we don't necessarily, nobody's going to tell me how to live my walk with Christ. Or, you know, we have a little bit of that, right? I'm going to do what I want to do. But God, we got to keep understanding that Scripture is very clear, and you see this. There's the created order, Right? There's a created order, right? Adam, Eve, kids. There's marriage order. Marriage order, and, I, and I, like I said, we've all known and we counsel around all this, but God's intended plan is you get married, you have sex after you have kids, right? That's order. That's God's order. Uh, there's church order, right? You read in Corinthians, you'll read, there's this idea, and that complementarian is, is there's some folks out there that are a little heavier on no women leading, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We'll just leave it there. Egalitarian is basically women can do just about everything men can. Two camps. But no matter what camp or tradition you're in, if I'm honest, and these aren't, these aren't like her, heretical differences. No matter what church you're in, there needs to be order is what I'm saying. So whether or not you're way over here or way over there, 
the one thing that we all have uh, in common is there has to be structure, order, and systems set up, okay? Um, I want you to look at communion, right? Paul corrects the church on the, how to do communion the right way or the wrong way. They were doing it wrong, and he, there's an order to it. There's an expectation to do it biblically and right and God-honoring, okay? I want to look at this. You look at the gifts of the Spirit, right? Holy Spirit's showing up, people manifesting, things happening. Corinthians, guess what? Everything needs to be done in order. There's instructions that you don't do this unless this. You don't have this unless that. God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos, a God of willy-nilly. A God. You and I, as a body of Christ, are called into order. Jesus is a king. And I don't know about you, I'm not a giant. I mean, we're, we're, we grow up in a democracy, but in a kingdom, there's order. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a very good kingdom. So we are a part of his kingdom. Kingdom thinking is order. You don't just do what you want to do. You do what you're told to do. You do what's led in front of you. This, is, this is, has to be the, the, the way the church operates. There's order, there's structure, there's expectations. And I want you to hear this. God leads, loves, shepherds his people through his people. He just does. He, he just does. Okay? To have order, I want you to hear this. This is my thoughts, deep thoughts by Jeremiah. To have order, you have to have instructions and expectations. To live in those instructions and expectations, you need to know them. To know them, you have to seek and receive them from Scripture and God's obedient people. I'll say it again, because this is, this is, this is huge to a, to a lot of folks, and a lot of people have problems with these types of thoughts. To have order, you have to have instructions and expectations. To live in those instructions and expectations, you need to know them. To know them, you have to seek and receive them from Scripture and God's obedient people. Because there are people that aren't obedient to God that'll tell you a whole bunch of stuff that's not biblical or right, okay? I want you to look, and in, in, in what, what, what you see Paul put on Titus, and he does this on Timothy too, the first step of creating order in the church after, is getting elders, getting leadership established. Getting people put in the right place, the right people in the right place doing what God wants them to do. So look at 6 through 9, Titus 1, 6 through 9 with me. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. That's tough, right? Like, I mean, I, I look at this in my own life, like with my own kids, like, and believe me, they're not perfect, right? We're not perfect kids. Don't expect that. But these are qualifications. These are expectations on leadership. And I am an elder, so I can speak. And I read through these. I pray through these. I ask the Lord for help with these, okay? And, and I'm working, you know, I'm raising kids. So welcome to the party. All right, verse seven. Uh, for an overseer or elder or pastor or bishop, there's different, different names there. As God's steward, God is steward. You gotta handle it. It's, it, it's God's, but he wants you to manage, run, serve, oversee it. Must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught 
so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. This is tough. Like, you read this, and, and, and I as an elder, I'm supposed to live in this. And, and when and if you are called to be an elder, you, you, you too, men, this is expectations. This is like what I was saying. There's an order and there's instruction and expectations. Now, I wanted to talk on something, just, just a, kind of an invitation to the church for me specifically, but I would, I would say for our whole elder uh, um, board or group. 43% of pastors quit every year. 43%. It's higher than even the Great Recession or a Great Resignation as we're in right now. A lot of people leaving their jobs trying something. This statistic's higher than that. Not by much, but 43% of people are, are saying, look, it's too hard, it's too heavy, I can't do this. And I will say, ministry is, is it, you, you don't do it unless you're called or equipped for it. It's hard. Um, but what I'm asking is I heard, I, I heard a guy um, from Texas, and, and I think it was Janet Parcel. I listened to a radio show sometimes, and I like the authors she gets. And this guy was a lay minister. He wasn't like an elder or an overseer in a church, but he felt like his responsibility to the, to the church was he was going to really bathe the leadership in prayer. So he gathered about eight to 10 guys on a regular, and he said he had gathered guys, not because he was against women in this, in this context, but he said, guys have a tendency to take a back seat to the spiritual push in churches. And it's just an honest assessment. Like if you open it to wives and husbands, the women and the women are gonna be like, yeah. And the men are like, well, you got it. And, and, and he specifically said, no, this weight needs to be on the men in the church. So he rallied a few men that were not elders and not pastors, and he said, you know what? We may not be able to do that, but what we can do is this, and so we're going to bathe them in prayer. And he started praying, and, 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 and then this was, the, this was the, the, the message that I was listening to. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, pastors, leaders, overseers fall right and left, and we see it on the main stage, major stage, all the time. And some of that's their own fault. But here's a question. What if the body of Christ dedicated prayer for their leadership, like real prayer, like not, Lord bless my leaders. Like, I mean, no, I'm gonna take an hour a week and pray for the leadership of this church. Pray that God would, that he would strengthen the leaders, that he would expose things that need to be exposed, that he would minister to them, that we would be led well. If the body of Christ, I just wonder, it's just a thought, we may never know, would the church be healthier? Would leadership, would we see less falling away? Would we see less pastors shamed, less, you know, infidelity, less stuff? Just a thought. And so I think, and I'm, I, this is my invitation to you guys, when you read the qualifications for elders, will you not turn it into an accusation or a mean, like, well, I don't know. It, it is certainly qualifications. But I'm asking you to turn it into a prayer list. I'm asking you to turn that into a prayer list for the people that, that lead you, that are up here talking, that help organize, orchestrate, and lead this church. Pray for us that we wouldn't be arrogant, that we wouldn't be quick-tempered, that, we wouldn't, that our kids would be in order, that we wouldn't have issues with drinking, that we, wouldn't be, that we would be hospitable or not greedy for gain. Pray that we'd be self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Pray that we'd be able to say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. Pray that we'll have that strength and that authority and that power. 
And then pray also that we'll have a people that, are, that will follow, that love us and we love them. And that's a beautiful place that, that the Lord has called this church to. So I would encourage you, even my creepy picture up there and all, pray for me. Pray for my elder friends, please. Okay? Um, I want you to look at, uh, well, yeah, Titus 1, 9 through 11. That's kind of the other thing. I, I think it's easy. Oh, the qualifications one. 9 through 11, though, is tough. And this is a little bit more on you guys as, as church, church goers and, and uh, maybe even sheep type thinking. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. Uh, and also to, we'll talk doctrine later, also to rebuke those who contradict it. Because clearly, guys, in my line in this ministry, there are people that contradict this book, and we're supposed to refute them. We're supposed to stand our ground and tell them why, lovingly and gently, and so on and so forth. But this is the, what I, that kind of blew my mind. For there are many who are insubordinate. Insubordinate means unwilling to submit. Insubordinate means rebellious. And he says, for there are many in their day. I don't believe, we're, I don't believe this, this is that far off. Today, there's many people that are insubordinate. They don't want leadership. I mean, I know Christians all the time who struggle like, look, and once again, here's, here, listen to my heart. If you're in a, a or, or come from or go to a house church, 30 people, it's not about the building. It's not about the structure. It's not about paychecks. It's about, are you led? Do you have oversight? Are you accountable? Do you take communion with community? Because I know house churches are, and, and you'll see even the next book, um, actually, Philemon, he talks about that. I believe it talks about a house church. People, you know, and that's, that's, that's not, well, it's not like, oh, this church is the right church. I'm just saying, Christians have a tendency in not being submissive. They believe that insubordination is okay. For there are many who are insubordinate. Empty talkers. Empty talkers. People are constantly running their mouth. Just stirring trouble, tearing things down, picking. And deceivers. And the deceivers is a problem. Sometimes they're deceivers not because they're trying to be malicious or lead people to hell. They're deceivers because they're deceived. Okay? Especially those of the circumcision party. That's their battle of their day. You, you, you know, by faith alone in Christ, you're saved. Well, they wanted to say, you got to add this, add this, and it's religious. And frankly, the spirit of religion is what elders, we battle with a lot anyway. You do it this way. This is what we should do. We did this for 100 years, stand here, right? Religion, tendency, my opinions, my thoughts, and so on and so forth. So, and he said, there's many in this. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. That's something I personally want prayer for. This is, you know, to be a, a, an elder is to have tough conversations. And over the last six years, I've had a lot of tough conversations. And, and they're never easy. And good, godly people have left our church for various reasons. Don't hear me when I say everybody that left Cobblestone was this. Sometimes God's just doing a thing. Sometimes people just won't agree with doctrine. Sometimes God has a different plan and purpose, but sometimes it is insubordination. Sometimes it is just a rebellious spirit. Sometimes it is a bad attitude and a bad heart. So let me ask you guys. Many of you have been a part of church. I've been a part of church. Are you an easy person to pastor? 
Are you, do you have a history, church after church? Do you just burn the church behind you? And you know, that we'll never talk of that day. They were horrible. They were this. Go to the next church. Seen this, pastored this. A bitter, hurt, unforgiving person, I'm just telling you, you can't pastor them. Not until they go deal with the bitter or the unforgiveness. You can't. They'll just bring all that baggage to the next church and they'll be happy for three, three weeks, three months, three years, and then eventually that bitterness, that baggage, that brokenness creeps in and next thing you know, they're causing problems. They're creating divisions. They're, they're not being easy people. So just, just humbly, and I had to do this, and I, I'll tell, tell a story here in a little bit. I had to do this. Am I, am I honorable in the churches I've been in? Have I been... Have I done my job? That's not be a mindless person with no opinion, no doctrine, no, no backbone. That's not what I'm saying. You can disagree, you can, but have I been easy to shepherd? Have I, been, have I been pleasing to the Lord where he's like, man, you listen, you serve, and you do a good job? Or have I been stubborn or hard or issues? Hebrews 13, 17 says it this way, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. I will have to give an account. I believe you will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So are you an easy person to pastor? Are you a joy to pastor? Are you a servant? Do you have a humble heart, a teachable heart? Do you have this in you? Okay? I know that I'm, this, this is going to get harder before this gets easier. I mean, you're like, I, I, I love you guys. I'm saying some things because I love you guys. Okay? Titus 3, 9 through 11, he goes into even the instructions, but he says, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Now, he's talking to Titus about that church, and for in their case, sometimes you just, gotta, you just avoid stuff. Some people just want to argue to argue sake. Some people just want to stir trouble. Some people just, no matter what we try, we can show them clear scripture and they're like, yeah, yeah. I, I sat and had coffee with a, with a wonderful man, if I'm honest, and I would show him scriptures that were clear as clear on a specific subject. And it was the weirdest thing. And he says, yeah, but how could anybody know? I'm not making this up. How can anybody know? I don't know. The Bible knows, dude. And, and, I'm, and I literally had to leave. I said, well, in the role I play as an elder, we can't mudge on this. And I'll be honest, they're not here anymore. I, not that I love that. I wish they were. That happens. But pray for us. That's hard, guys. Gosh, that's hard to do this right. So then he says, uh, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division... After warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. See, the Bible says some stuff. It has expectations on the church. And there are some people, you're like, look, I tried, I tried, I tried. And they're just never going to submit. They're never going to be a team player. They're just going to cause problems. My last church... Um, I did really well. I was a pastor, young adult pastor for six years. And I did really well until I didn't do, any, do very well. You ever guys ever done that? Like I was going really well. I was submitting. I was serving. I was having a great attitude and uh, really defending leadership until I wasn't. 
And then I found myself picking on the senior leadership. And even though, truth be, truth be told, and I still believe this, and I was right, in, and I still believe this, I was right in my doctrine and my thinking, but I was wrong in my behavior. And so I was talking about this guy to other people rather than talking to him. So I heard the Holy Spirit one day, because the Holy Spirit doesn't let you get, get too far into this. He's our, he's, he's, he's our counselor. He's our comforter. And if we hang out with him, he'll straighten you out. So I was hanging out with the Lord, and the Lord said, stop talking about him and go talk to him. Oh, you really? No, I'd rather just talk about him, right? <laughs> it's easier. It's easy. And, and so I ended up going, and, and I said, all right, all right, I'm going to obey because I, I want to be a scripture man. I want to live under this and in this, and I want to be a biblical man because I believe in this. So I did. I went and confronted him, talked to him. Didn't go so good. We disagreed, some arguing, at times a little yelling. My mouth gets me in trouble. I, 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 I'm pretty patient and easygoing, but there is some times where I just can't not say stuff. And I kept, and here's the crazy part. I felt better. I did. I honestly felt like, okay, I, but I did it honorably, respectfully. I did it to, to, to help, encourage, challenge. I made my, I, I, I took my stance and, and I still was in leadership. And that went on for a while and it was good. But then eventually it led for me to leave the church because there's just things. And I'll, I, at this day, I even had to go back in. I think my mic just took a little, am I on still? Oh, okay. Um, I, I eventually, it got a little bit difficult. And I, I don't want to go into details because that's not what I'm, this is about. But a couple years went by. But in that time, I kept going back to make sure that I was living honorably, work it out. I would do anything. I would sit in front of any amount of people to make sure I didn't have uh, a beef with a, another church or another leadership team. Didn't mean I had to agree with them. Just meant I need to be biblical. I need to be Matthew 18 here. I need to live this scripture out. I'm, I, I'm held to that. And I did, and I went, and, and you know what's cool? He and I are we're, we're at peace. We're friends. I mean, we really are. There's no ill will. We're running to each other. It's not, he's apologized to me, and I've apologized to him. I, owed my, I owned my wrong. He's owned his wrong, and we've moved on. But it was tough, and that's two leaders. That's two elders. That's two overseers, if you will. It's easy to do. How are you handling your church life, your business, okay? Are you easy to pastor and shepherd? All right, now, I wanted to talk about, uh, uh, well, and in, in even in 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 4, take another peek at that. I charge you in the presence of God, of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Okay, this is tough. Like, this is what we do. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. In the years I've been an elder in this church, not, once again, let hear this, not everyone that has left cobblestone is looking for it. They have itching ears and they're walking in sin. That's not what I'm saying. But there are some folks that do not want to hear the full counsel of Scripture. They want to cut and paste. That, I don't want to be a part of that, so they go where they want, where they hear what they want to hear. This is real, and it happens. And, and this, is, this is a warning. I'm just trying to bring the veil a little bit to you guys as a church to a little bit what goes on in my elder mind and our leadership stuff, okay? Titus 2.1. 
Flip over that with me. Now, as I said at the very beginning, there's expectations in the body. There's expectations on eldership and leadership to behave and to handle themselves in a certain way. There's also this expectations on the church. That's why I love Titus. It's very cut and dry, very to the point, very simple. Three chapters, I can read it in one sitting if need be. But you look at 2-1 with me. Now, I'm going to jump right into this. This is the second part of this message, and I'm going to talk the next half an hour on it, so bear with me. Um, Titus 2-1. But as for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is teaching, principle, position, or belief established within a belief system, a school of thought, or academic discipline. It's what we believe. Sound doctrine in Christianity is how you think. Anybody says it's not how you think, it's, it, it's how you think. As a person thinks, their behaviors match, right? You think crazy, you act crazy. You think angry, you act angry. You think jealous, you act ang- jealous. You think like Jesus, you walk like Jesus. Healthy doctrine here, right? This is, this is what he gives, and it's just cut and dry, and I'll be honest, it steps on some toes. I'm gonna do, just, you just gotta say, we love Jesus, we love our church, give it to us, Jeremiah. You don't have to say that, but you got to think that. You're like, I ain't saying that. All right, rebellious. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, two, uh, two, two jumps right in to older men. Now, Scripture says, well, not Scripture, but studying this kind of led to older men being over 50. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Sober-minded means serious, sensible, and composed. So older men in this church, loving you well, are you serious, sensible, and composed? Are you living that way because the Bible and the Word of God has created that order for you? Okay? Then he says, sound in faith. Oh, no, dignified. I I love the dignified one. I like the dignified one. Worthy of respect. Older men, or we'll just say all men, are you living a life that is worthy of respect? Worthy of respect. How you live, how you behave, how you treat your wife, how you handle your money, how you drive. How do you like, that's me. I don't know if I'm worthy of respect how I drive, if I, as I just said that. Complete confession to you guys. Um, how you living? It matters because scripture says it matters. It puts this on us because God wants us to be more like him, okay? Self-controlled, self-controlled, it's a fruit of the spirit. Do you consider older men in this church, are you self-controlled? That means when self wants to do this, you have enough strength and spirit leading and wisdom to say, no, 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 I'm gonna kill that thought. I'm gonna kill that action. I'm not gonna behave in that manner because this is, this is the word of God. Are you sound in faith? And when sound means full, I'll say Full. Are you full in faith? Are you full in love? Are you full in steadfastness? That means you don't quit. You know how to grind. You know how to stand. You know when things are shaky for your family, you're there. You're steady. You're strong. You're steadfast. You're full of faith. You're full of love. We want to get there. We want to grow there. We want you to be there. The scripture is very clear. Now, he goes right in to older women. In first service, it was funny. I, was, I, I made a lot of eye, eye contact to older men because I'm like, I'm looking at the older men, right? But with the women, 
older women, nobody's like, don't make eye contact with me. I'm not that old, you know? I'm like, older women. You got to be careful. Women don't like to be called old, I guess. So I've been told. So <laughs> don't want to make enemies for no use, right? All right, so he goes right in. Dang, this word's tough. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slave to much wine. They are to teach what is good. So right there, older women in this church, ask yourself, am I reverent in behavior? Am I honoring who needs honored? Am I respecting who needs respected? Am I shutting my mouth when I really want to tear someone down? Am I being this scripture? Women likewise be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not slanderers. We've all been a part of a, I'm not even an older woman, but I can be part of a good old gossip party, right? And I like it. Ooh, gossip, tear them down. Yeah, they're the worst. Let's just do it. And then you ever leave that meeting? You're just like, what was, what was that? What just happened? Have mercy on me, Lord. I just was slandering. I do it. I, have a, I told you guys, the mouth gets me in trouble all too often. And I'm not even an older woman, but I don't know. Um, anyways, so, and then slaves to much wine. I love that he put that in there on the women. And like, and I said, you guys, listen, too much wine. You know, if you're drinking too much, don't. It's really simple. Uh, they ha- are to teach what is good. This is expected of older women. To teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home. Real quick, working at home, everyone's like barefoot and pregnant. No, that's, there's so much paranoia about these scriptures because they have been abused and used to control or belittle women in the church. But once again, like Andrew said last week, and this is just me trying to be a good elder, let's not dodge scripture, let's talk about it. And whether you end up believing this or believing that, or don't avoid tough scriptures because they create tough conversations. Jump into them. And, and, and that's something I'm learning more. Get into it. Learn. What's this? So if you're like, well, you know, it sounds like women should supposed to be at home and all that. But what I said first service, and I stand on this, in my house, my wife controls the atmosphere in the home. I, don't, I can't explain it. I don't understand all that. But she has this ability, if she's in a mood, everybody feels it, right? That, you, yeah, yeah, we've all been there, you know? And, but, and, and gosh, when she's prayed up, loving, joyous, doing, man, that house can feel it, right? We can feel it, right, guys? You can say it. She's not here. So <laughs> she was great first service to have her in here because I could bounce thoughts past her and see if I was going to get in trouble. Um, but, but anyways, the lo- the, so train young women to love their husbands and children. And you know, that's just true. And I know on Sunday night, Heather being the women's director, she's leading it. There's like 30 so women showing up and they're all over the age brackets for loveology. And this is happening. It's a beautiful picture of, of, of women ministering to women. Because there is, and Heather and I talk a lot about this, sometimes a younger woman just needs to be told, hang in there. I know younger women that find out for the first time their husband looked at porn. And oh my gosh, it's like, that's the word. And so sometimes having an older woman says, look, I remember when he did this 
and seeing them 10, 15, 20 years down the road with a happy marriage, with a restored marriage, it speaks to that younger woman, there's hope. Sometimes you just gotta be honest. Sometimes we just gotta get, just get loose and just say it. Say it with respect, say it with honor. But, you know, women have a tendency to be like, I'm never gonna talk about this stuff. But sometimes you just gotta talk about it. Older women, sometimes you gotta share to the younger women because they're trapped. They don't know how to change their marriage. Their, their husbands are, are buffoons or whatever it is, and they need you. So pray, like pray that, Lord, put the right people in my path so I can minister to them, okay? Because you're called to teach older women. It says it. So train the young women to love their husbands and children, and children, because that's tough. You know, like what, what mom doesn't love her children? Well, sometimes mom needs to be told to get a little stricter. I've seen this. Mom, sometimes I've seen dads are very disciplined. I mean, that kid's in order when they're around. When dad's gone, that kid's a brat. Sometimes, if I said it, it ain't received. But if my wife says, hey, listen, you need to crack down on that kid, put a little discipline in, that is, that is mom teaching younger moms, older mom teaching younger moms how to get things in order. You guys with me? Sometimes that younger mom needs that. She needs an older woman to say, you want to get rid of that attitude? Do this, try this, right? There's, you got secrets, you got wisdom, you got insights. You've learned to, to raise your family, to love your husband. Pass that on. Be eager to pass that on. Be looking for it. And you younger women, they're married or even single, look up. Grab a hold of the one. Like, go to stuff. Make an effort. Connect to someone so you're like, I want to learn. I want to grow. Okay? All right, we move forward. Pure and at home, working at home, talked about it. Kind. Just kindness is, is, is huge. And submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled submissive to their own husband. Now, make a big note, own husbands. But the Bible, the word of God, and as an honorable elder, I hope, I am telling you, this is expectation in the home. And it's, it's, we're in a culture that just says, not me, not my marriage, not gonna happen. But scripture's clear, and God is clear. And, and God desires this, and this is going to look differently. My wife's submission to me is going to look different than your submission in your marriage. Don't, don't compare. That's a dangerous game, okay? But I want you to look at, this kind of teaches into it just a little bit because I think there's some healthy, and I wanted to pause there because this is kind of weighty. Look over to 1 Peter chapter 3 with me. Now, also, Corinthians chapter 7, if you're like, I want to study I want to study women. I want to study the roles of women. I want to study what, what a wife and just, just a good, healthy biblical. Look at, look at uh, Corinthians 7 as well. It talks about not withholding sex. Uh, husband, wife, wife, husband. At least the devil comes in and tempts you, at least for a period of time. There's some really good teaching in there. There just is. So, and, and it's the Word of God. But 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 7, I want to just read this and kind of talk through it. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by your conduct of their, of their wives. So there are women that are married to men that don't love Jesus or maybe don't even have a strong passion for Jesus. And this is healthy teaching because you're nagging, ladies, you're nagging your your you sending him podcasts, you giving him books. It may not be working, okay? It may not be working. And, and he, there's instruction here that Peter's telling us uh, or telling you that 
if you just submit and serve him, I know that sounds crazy. And what people tend to think is, I'm just going to roll over and just live a miserable life. No, what it is, and I'm convinced, man, I got a lot to say about submission. I'm not going to go into the full depth of it. But submission is faith. When I submit to, in my role, I have people to submit to, elders, uh, oversight, other men, the word of God, I have to submit. When I submit, I'm actually saying I trust God. When wives, and I'm not talking about the abusive marriages, I'm not talking about the jerks that are like uncontrolled. Okay, there's some times, there's some situations. I'm talking about a guy that's a good guy, just doesn't love Jesus. And she's like, I want him to love Jesus. And when she decides to say, I'm going to just honor him and love him and serve him, I'm not going to beat him up. I'm not going to tell him how bad of a, I'm not going to tell him that hell's hot, right? I'm going to actually submit, honor, and love him. I'm telling you, that's an act of faith that opens up the door that the power of God starts to work in on him in ways you can't even understand. Because you can't change him, but God working on him, softening on him, putting him through experiences can. Amen? This is, this is useful stuff here. Submission, we, we got it all wrong. Jesus submitted because he, because he says, I don't do anything on my own. I only do what the Father tells me, didn't he? It's, it's a faith thing. It's a trust thing. It's a God's got it thing. It's I don't need to fight my battles. God's got them. I'm going to stand where he tells me to stand. I'm going to obey what he's told me to obey. And I'm going to trust that he will fight my battles. Amen. And he does. That's the power of submission. And you can see why our culture and the devils tack that word so hard. Because there's so much power and freedom and God that wants to work through it. It's, it is. All right, moving forward. Okay, where was I, guys? Oh, yeah, do not let your, okay, when, when you see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be in the hidden person of the heart, which is imperishable beauty of the gentle and quiet spirit. What he's saying here, what Peter's saying here, guys, is, is, is a woman, my, the women in my life have, Faith, Faith, I used you for service. I'm sorry. You like to look pretty and you do a great job with it. But she spends, you know, she's like, stop talking. I can see that face. So I'll stop talking. Um, there's nothing wrong with a woman wanting to look pretty. There's nothing wrong with getting fixed up. That's been a goofy study where people just like, no makeup, long hair, all those. That's, that's, that's silly. Women can look pretty, should want to look pretty, really, from a, from a husband. Um, but, but. What he's saying is put the same effort inside as you would do outside. Adorn yourself. Recognize the ugly in you. Recognize the selfish in you. Recognize the pride in you. And understand that, that he's just using it. It's women like to look pretty and praise God for that. But look at your soul. Look at your heart and say, am I decorating, serving myself in, this, in, in my heart and growing like that? Okay. And it's the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Gentle and quiet spirit. A woman with this spirit, I've been around a few, a woman with a gentle and quiet spirit changes the room with saying nothing. A woman with a gentle and quiet spirit prays, has, I mean, these, it's a power that is scary and beautiful. And my wife, not always, but a lot of times taps into this. And I know when she's been praying and spending time with the Lord because he straightens me out. He works on, and then the next thing you know, we're talking about the thing that she wanted to talk about. Which is in God's sight, this, this thought, 
which in God's sight is very precious. Even as I say this, I think culture would push back and be like, women working on their inside, gentle and quiet spirit. But here, Scripture's telling us that this is precious in God's sight. And ladies in this room, I know you so many, you love God and you want to please Him. Spend time looking at this, praying this, and asking the Lord, Lord, how do I do this? How do I live this? And am I doing this well? Okay? For this is how holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, I joked, Hev does not have to call me Lord during the week. (laughs) Oh, man. She's feisty, my wife, guys. That's what I think. Some people misunderstand submission as a woman that never speaks her mind or tells what. No, that's not. That's not. It's, it's totally different than that. Strong, the strongest women I know are the, the ones that submit. The strongest men I know are the ones that submit to the word of God. It takes strength to submit. It's, it honestly does. It's, it's been so, it's, you're not strong for fighting. You're strong by, by submitting. Try it. Just try it. Try to submit. Next time there's someone that cuts you off and you want to cuss, you want to do this, submit to the word of God, which is harder. The acting in your flesh or behaving like an idiot is actually natural and easy. But the not saying it, not doing it, next time the wife or the husband ticks you off, to act, try it. Just test this. It's harder to submit than it is to react. And that's what, so it's more powerful. It's more powerful. And it produces better fruit in our lives, in our marriages, in our homes. And we represent our Lord better. For this is how holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children. If you do good and do not fear anything, that is frightening. Now listen, and the ladies are like, about time. Give it to the husbands. It's a little shorter, but it's still there. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with her or with you or the grace of uh, of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, let me instantly, you hear weaker vessel, a weaker vessel, and physically weaker. In their time, society and their social status was weaker. Women could not speak like they could today. Our culture is a little different than their culture, but they were weaker in that, not weaker mentally, not weaker emotionally. In fact, there's tons of all scripture where you're neither slave, you're neither male or female, and all that good stuff. So don't, don't get hung up on the weaker vessel, Okay? Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Husbands, are you living with her with an understanding way? Are you living with her in an understanding way? What that means to me as a husband is, if if I know this, this, and this bother Heather, I stop doing this, this, and this. I don't push to push. I don't pick a fight to pick a fight. If I know that this is a weak spot of hers, then I want to protect her. If I feel like she struggles in this area or emotional thing, then I want to nurture that and grow that. Are you growing your wife? If I took her apart and and, and she would say, oh, he's the best husband. But no, if we really got her on, it's hooked to a lie detector test and say, how is your husband treating you? you? Are you flourishing in his leadership or are you suffocating? Is he doing, are you, are, you, are you a woman that's like, man, yeah, I know I'm loved. I actually don't have a problem with the submission thing because this man loves me, loves Jesus, and he thinks of me first. Are we those types of guys? Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor. Honor. 
man, I want to show her honor. I want her to make sure she feels special and seen and heard and loved. Men, do this. Do this. Take this charge. Take this challenge. Go home with this and say, man, I got to do this. I got to do better as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. That's what I wanted to get to. You're crazy. I don't know. I don't fully understand the prayers not be hindered. But I will say this. If, if things are out of order and submission is not where it needs to be, there is a hindrance to prayers. And I don't know about you guys. I don't want anything standing away in my prayers. Nothing. So I want to be the guy that I'm supposed to be and I want Heather to be the woman that she's supposed to be because I need my prayers answered, not hindered. I want breakthrough. I want freedom. I want filled. I want all that God has for me. And sometimes the breakthrough that you're waiting for is not in pray more. It's in do the word and submit to the things that God has called you to submit to. That's truth. It's hard truth, but it's truth. All right, I'm gonna land this plane. I got eight minutes. Everybody with me, we good? I hope so. All right, so we're going to finish with Titus 2 there. After he talks about that, um, all right, he goes into 7. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent excuse me, may be put to shame. I love this. Right in the middle of all this heavy stuff, he says, guess what, Titus? You're not above this either. You need to be an example. You live this way so they see you live that way. I'm not, I'm not up here talking at you guys. I'm talking to myself. Everything I'm preaching at you, I gotta take home. I gotta live this. I gotta obey this. I gotta, I gotta wrestle with this stuff. Leaders are not above it. They're in it. And examples, guys, always, remember this. This is just, examples speak louder than words. Always. How you set the example. How you talk to your kids, how you talk to your wife. Are you willing to forgive? I have a, a wonderful friend um, that I talked to this week, lost his temper through his son's bike because he was beating up his, uh, <laughs> his stuff. And he says, how about I tear up your stuff? He lost his temper, okay? Guy struggles with his temper once in a while. And he said to me, I felt so bad, but I looked at my son, little rascal, and I apologized to him. And then I bought him another bike and he's super excited about the bike. And I just was so moved by the story because that's what we do. We mess up. We make mistakes. But he did the, the, the example thing. He showed, hey, dad messes up too. Dad loses his cool and dust and forgive me. And I guarantee you that little rascal, that little, little, little boy, he won't forget that. <laughs> He'll never forget his dad throwing his bike. But, but the, the, the beautiful picture is dad lost his temper. Dad makes mistakes. Okay? All right, so... For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. This is what grace does, guys. This is what grace is designed to do. Grace is not so that you can just make excuses to live a sinful life. It's not. Grace has a purpose. You and I all make mistakes, and we will make mistakes. This is just, this is part of the deal. But grace is to do something in us and through us, and it's not to make us weak and pathetic and excuses. Well, I guess I'm just going to have to live in grace because I can't get this stuff together. No, grace has a purpose, an assignment, and it is, verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness. 
Grace has a purpose in your life. The reason God is helping you, working with you every time you mess up and he's moving in you to get you to renounce ungodliness. Grace is also working in your life and in my life to, and worldly passions to training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. That's what grace is doing. That's what grace wants to do. And to live self-controlled. Grace is so that we grow. Grace is so that it's not one and done. Grace is so that we change and receive and, 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 and the good process the Lord has in our life, okay? Worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, that's what we're doing, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify us or purify for himself, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. We need to be zealous for good works. Dean, is Dean in here? Dean, you can go ahead and come, up, come on up. I don't think Dean's in here. Where? Dean, you're here, man. Dean's got pink shorts on. I love him, dude. He's like, stop talking. That's the, see, Dean, this is my problem, my mouth. Good kid there. Um, who gave himself for us to redeem us from a lawless and, pure, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. I think you got to hear that. Why do all this? You're God's. He's mine. You're his. He loves you. He desires good for you. He sees you. He wants your home life, your church life, your work life to be blessed. And he knows that you have to do some of this. So trust him in some of this to get there. You're his. Don't forget that, Christian. And if you're not a Christian, repent of your sins. Say, just, just, it's really like, Lord, forgive me my sins. I trust you or who you say you are and receive him. Can it be that simple? Yeah. And then the process of all this begins, but it's, it's just a beautiful thing. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke. That's why I brought up the Timothy Part of church is being exhorted and rebuked and challenged, not just going where you only hear fluff or encouragement or only these things. It's, it's to work on us. It's to change us. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. And that's all I'm trying to do, guys. I said it, and I maybe, maybe I already said it, but it's true. Tough messages produce soft Christians. Soft messages produce tough Christians or hard Christians. We want you to be soft. We want to lead you. We want you to have all that God has for you. Please don't be offended at anything I said. If you want to talk about it, that's okay. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. If you need prayer, go ahead and play, brother. Go, uh, if, if you guys need prayer, come and get prayer. It's about to be 1230, so... Go get the kids. Um, come back in and get prayer. But gosh, I, I want you to feel loved. So Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you, God, that we can be a people that um, see and know the expectations that you have for us, that we can walk in obedience. Father, there's some things I touched on, so I'm just gonna ask this week that, that the tough conversations will, will be had, that, that, that men and women will talk, husbands and wives will talk, They'll serve each other. They'll listen to each other. That this, this thing will just start to, to really grip them. That the men will lead well. That the old men will walk well. 
that the older women will listen and obey and do the same things, Lord Jesus, that in, in, of, of the days of old. Will you let cobblestone, will you help us to get there? Walk like this, talk like this, believe like this. I pray for a good week for everybody. I pray that we can all just feel loved, encouraged, uh, challenged. Jesus, in your name. Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.